This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Today, I'm speaking with the mindful dramatist, MJ Paget. She has been a writer for a while and has quite a few books under her belt. It was really interesting to hear about her journey um, and how she came to write so many books and how she manages her time between homeschooling her daughter and still getting those books out. She has a great website at mjpagetbooks.com, which will be in the show notes. And I think that this is definitely an interview that you're not going to want to miss. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. This is an interview that I've waited a little bit for to get her on the show. It is MJ Paget. She is a mindful dramatist. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. I'm really good. I'm so excited to have you on here because when I first found you, I think I found you on Instagram or something. I was like, A, the covers of your books are amazing. And B, you have a lot of books. (laughs) I do. And thank you. (laughs) So I was like, I need to talk to this woman about how she does so many things. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from maybe, or how you got into writing, whatever you want to say. Yeah, um, I actually, I was born up north in Pennsylvania. My family relocated to the south when I was still in middle school. Uh, Right now I live near Savannah and I got into writing. My daughter was born in 2014. My husband and I decided early that I would stay home with her and Mm -hmm. homeschool and just give her, you know, that kind of experience. And I thought it would be great. And it is, but I didn't anticipate how boring it actually could get (laughs) by not working. (laughs) And then, you know, there was some postpartum depression and things like that, that I was working through. And I really found that writing sort of became my outlet, my way to, to, to relax, to regroup, to feel connected to something and not just be a mom at mm-hmm. home and do anything else. And I just kind of realized how much I loved writing and it kind of went from there. It sort of blew up from there. Wow. So you didn't really write a whole lot before that? Not really. I mean, I would dabble for fun here and there, maybe some journaling or some write down some ideas. But no, like the last time I really wrote anything extensive was in high school doing research papers and stuff like that. So before 2014, not not really. No. Okay. So between 2014 and 2021, but we're in the beginning of that. That's only really six years to start writing, write books, how how did you go from like writing to I'm going to publish this book? I'm a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this book. Uh, the first book I, I really wrote was The Yellow Note. And sometimes I go back and I read that and I think, wow, I could have done this so many ways that would have been better. Hmm. But I, I found Wattpad. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that writing app. And just for fun, I put it on there and it kind of, it kind of hit with some younger readers and kind of blew up um, and I wasn't really expecting it. So I thought, well, maybe I'm not too bad at this. 
just kept going and kept going. And then someone suggested that I try to get published. And I looked into it and was immediately intimidated by the idea of trying to get published through a big publishing house or even a small press. And then I realized I would, I would lose a lot of creative control too. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not about to give up creative control of my little babies. So <laughs> I looked into self-publishing and then just thought, yeah, why not? And I just did it. And I've been kind of chugging along ever since then. So sometimes I listening to you, I wonder if we sort of overcomplicate things sometimes, because on one hand, there's a lot to learn going from like these words on your word doc to actually even self-publishing. Like there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you have a really good cover for the yellow note. I'm looking at it now. Like it doesn't look self-published where some of the covers, you you know, it really kind of goes into font sometimes. Like people just choose the default font for their book covers, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So how did you know how to like make this into a professional looking book? Was it important enough for you to do that? Did you have background on it? Did you research at all? Or did, are you just? I think um, I actually really do love researching. So it, it really doesn't bother me to sit for hours at a time looking at other covers and the genres and kind of running through stuff on Shutterstock or other places. And that's where I get most of my images is from Shutterstock or Adobe images. But um, I think it's just a matter of like the first first cover that the Yellow Note had was awful. Okay. And I didn't like it, but I was so ready to get it published. So I was just like, well, maybe it's not as bad as I think it is. But it was. So I fiddled around. I looked at some YouTube tutorials on how to do a couple different things on Photoshop. And then I just played with it and played with it until it finally looked a little more aesthetically pleasing. And then I just bought some fonts from a couple different places and threw it all together. And it turned out okay, I think. But really, just like you said, just kind of researching the genres and getting a feel for how to manipulate the images and and picking a font that's a little different maybe from what you see everywhere else. Right. So did you have like this, I'm trying to think, like, were you really feeling pressured to like, get this out, get this done, get it right? Did you want to make money from it? Or was it more, um, you just kind of wanted to share your book with the world? Like, how was your mindful state because it seems like <laughs> other authors that I talk to who are just starting out like they they are nervous and they are anxious to get it out there and they a lot of times will not do their research or they'll they'll just miss steps and and the, it kind right. of becomes this like whirlwind where things get missed and then you have to back up and even if you had a, a different cover before I mean that happens I mean even big houses change book covers sometimes you know so did you how was your like mental state at this point? Was it important for you to get it out or were you focused more on something else? I really think uh, I'm not on Wattpad anymore, but mm-hmm. I, I really think that spending, you know, a year, year and a half there just exposing my work mm-hmm. helped me to, I guess, to not be so worried about actual publishing time. Okay. Um, I mean, I had thousands of beta readers already, so I knew that they liked the book. It was just a matter of figuring out. Honestly, if I'm intimidated by anything about it, it's marketing. Mm. I suck at marketing. 
which is ironic since I have a master's in business, but (laughs) you would think I'd be better at that. But I, I wasn't so much nervous about or feeling rushed about getting the book out so much as I just wanted to, I don't really know, move on to the next project. That was my, okay. it, it was, it was self-imposed pressure more than anything else. Right. And yeah, I think, I really just think that having, having the work already out there for a while on other platforms before I went to publish sort of eased that anxiety a lot. Okay. Um, so would you recommend newer authors go to Wattpad and spe- or I'm sure there's other things um, similar as well. It's, it has changed a lot since I originally okay. used it. I, I do know a lot of people who are still on it that really love it. I think I outgrew it hmm. as far as, you know, just now I want to get my projects done. I want to get them through editing and design and all that and then get them them published. That's what I do now. But I mean, yeah, if there if there's someone who wants to publish and they're nervous about it and they just want to get a feel for what readers are looking for, that's a really great place to do it. I made quite a few you know friends on that. Um, I actually co-wrote a book with someone that I met on Wattpad. We did it entirely through Google Docs. We had never even spoken on the phone before we actually won an award with that book. So, wow. um, and I still have some followers that that follow me from Wattpad into you know, the rest of my writing career and other different platforms. So it's a good place to start if you're nervous and just kind of want to get a feel for you know, what it's like to be out there with your work. Hmm. Yeah. I've never participated in it, but my, maybe because I, my experience with it is I had a couple young authors ask me to sort of meet with them and help them on things. And they did not feel the need to edit their books because they had good response from Wattpad, from followers on Wattpad. And I, I had a really difficult time convincing them that they needed to edit. Yeah. <laughs> so like my, that's my only experience with it. So I, I guess it's a little bit tainted where I'm like, what are they, are they teaching you? Or is it more of a forum? Like yeah, there, it's definitely more of a forum. It's more yeah. of a forum. So it's just kind of readers yeah. giving their feedback. I'm not yeah. necessarily. So okay. Yeah, if you're if you're looking for um, content input, it's probably better than uh, you know formatting and editing and stuff like that. Definitely something you're going to have to learn separate. But if you're looking for you know what's content wise, then that's a, you know that was a good place for me. Okay, so you can find beta readers there. You can get sort of input. How how is the atmosphere there? Are people trying to be kind? Are they overly soft on their reviews? Are they overly harsh? Like how is it's it? A- it's a mixed bag. I mean, okay. <laughs> some who um, are brutal, but just like reviews on Amazon or anywhere else, you you take from it what you can and you make it work. Obviously, you're just going to, sometimes you're going to get a reader who it's, you're not writing for them. Mm. It's just not something that they're interested in. And it's in a matter of personal opinion. And in those cases, you just kind of let those comments slide off your back because they're not going to help you in any way. But I did find a lot of people on the site who really were very encouraging and, and probably should be credited with the reason why I went and published that first book was just because, you know, they, this, it was a boost, confidence booster right? to see positive comments. And yeah, it does kind of squash you a little bit when you get negative ones. But like I said, you just you take what you can from the comments that'll help you be a better writer and, and move forward with them. Hmm. So did you really consider yourself like going forward at that point that you are going to pursue writing. You are an author. This is your path now. 
Not at first. You know, when I published that first book, I thought it might just be a a hobby that I spent a lot of time on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, my, I like my, how you say that. That's okay. a hobby I spend a lot of time on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much during every nap time when my daughter went to bed. My husband's a firefighter, so he's gone for a few days at a time. Mm. So there's a lot of free time. But after I started getting some sales and some positive reviews, I thought, well, you know, maybe this could be something that I do that's lucrative. So I wrote more, published more, and the sales went up a little bit more. And, you know, then I wrote a collaboration with another author. And at at some point, I can't exactly pinpoint when, but at some point I became an author. I don't know exactly when that was, but I think it's a process and, and it's just... Yeah, when you're an artist, there's no like I don't think there's a definitive point where you say, I'm a painter, I'm an author, I'm a this or that. I think you just kind of grow into it and one day you wake up and you just are. Yeah. You realize you're spending quite a bit of time doing this and hey, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should take on this label as author. <laughs> Put it on my signature page and just be done with it. <laughs> I'll I'll make cards for everybody. <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> You know, what's interesting about you is you don't stick to a genre. No, I can't. (laughs) I love that because I can't either. And it took me a while to figure out that that was okay. Like, because I looked at all the authors that I liked and I was like, well, everyone sticks to a genre, but those aren't the stories in my head and they're not the Mm -hmm. stories coming out. So did you ever, were you ever concerned about that? Yes. Uh, actually, pretty recently, like within the last year, I was concerned about it because there's a big leap between, you know, this clean, sweet Hallmark style young adult romance and these sweeping epic fantasies. And that's sometimes could be a pretty drastically different readership. Mm-hmm. But I did also find that the readers who follow me have been following me for me and not necessarily for the genre that I write. They like my writing style and the way that I portray characters and say things. So they're following me and not really caring as much about the genre that I write in. If they come across a book they don't like, they just put it down and get a different one. That's interesting. I did worry, especially for marketing, but so far it it really hasn't been a big deal. And one thing that encouraged me too was also seeing how people like Nora Roberts, for example, I mean, everybody really knows her for romance, but she also does have some fantasy lines that are really good. So I figure if they can get away with it, so can I. True. I like your positive attitude. You just seem like a very positive person. Like, I'm just going to do it. because oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I know some people starting out, and I'm not sure the answer to this, but they ask me, should I have a pen name, a different pen name for things? And on one hand, I feel like the marketing for that would be a nightmare. I mean, both ways, you're going to have a more difficult time having multi-genres or multi-pen names, like either way. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting you're saying that the readership, you basically built a readership following you, not necessarily following your characters or your genre. Yeah. And I don't really know how that happened. I I wish I did have an answer for that because it would probably make life a lot easier for me, you know, earning more readers. Because you could make a course and then... But some of the most frequent emails and communications that I get from my readers are that I know I started out reading this book and then I found this book and I didn't think it was going to be as good because it was X, Y, Z genre, but I loved it even more. Hmm. So I, 
I don't know if it's just that I always have a crazy quirky character in every book or if there's something that I'm carrying from one genre to the next that's consistent. I'm not really sure. I figured okay. it out, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's just the reader readership bases stay pretty consistent as far as genre hopping. And of course, you do have some readers that prefer one or the other. But I actually did a poll several months ago asking my newsletter subscribers what they preferred to read. And it was a pretty even split between the fantasy and the the young adult romance type stuff. So that didn't help me decide what to write. <laughs> Tell me it was okay to keep writing both things. So I did. <laughs> so you have a newsletter. How how did you keep some of the writers? I mean, you claim that you're bad at marketing, but you have a fan base. And I think that's one of the biggest hardships for people starting out is like, oh, I need to build a fan base. So how did you build that when you moved off of Wattpad? Was it the newsletter? It was, yeah. You got to get really comfortable with giving away stuff for free, unfortunately. Mm. You know, a lot of authors, and I, I get it. I was the same way at first. Like, this is my baby. I work so hard on this. I don't want to just give it away. Mm-hmm. But I, I found that the, the best way to draw people was with something for free. So I joined things like Book Funnel and Story Origin and Book Cave and just other little places where authors can get together make a promo, give away some books for free, even if it's just a few chapters. You don't have to give away your whole book for free. In exchange for that, they sign up for your newsletter. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you have some people who just, they just want free books, and that's okay. As long as they're reading my book, that's fine. But then you'll have a lot who will stick around and buy your next book or your next book. And that's how I really built that base was through that. And another way is just working with other authors. I think that when you're promoting yourself all the time, people kind of get sick of that. It's a little narcissistic in a way. So I think working with other authors and promoting each other really kind of is what builds a solid foundation, especially if they write similar work to you. So yeah, I think that's how I did it. Do you read the books of the authors that you collaborate with? Most of, not all of them. I have time to read all those before you know you, you run the promos, but uh, if I do a newsletter swap with someone, I'll at least read, you know, a good 20% or so of the book so that I know I'm not promoting something that's outside of my, like, I, I don't, I don't want to be promoting graphic violence mm-hmm. and the you know, drugs and things like that. It's something that I don't necessarily support to my readers who I also know would want to read that sort of thing. But Right. So what's, what's your strategy with, so if anyone doesn't know, like book funnel story or kind of the same thing, you either go yeah. into a promotion with along with like let's say 40 other authors they put up some book for free you put up yours for free and it's usually genre ish so you kind of know what genre or there's like limitations you know whether it's you'll know for sure if it's like right towards erotica or aimed towards sci-fi or oh yeah 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 but then you can do newsletter swaps where it's one specific author you highlight them in your newsletter they highlight you for people just starting out what is your way of swapping so it, it can't be like the next week that you're swapping out because if you're going to get their book and sort of read through it how would you suggest that a new author sort of approach that and say hey I want to make sure that it's what my readers want or how how do you approach it I use uh, for my newsletter swaps I use story origin okay because they can actually put up there a, a description of their book, you know, the little mm-hmm. book on the back. And I can actually, through story origin, I can read their book. 
without having to go search for it or buy it. And then sometimes I'll peruse the reviews to make sure that somebody didn't say there was something shocking that they didn't expect. Because my readers tend to lean more towards wanting cleaner books, you know, more, I don't necessarily say Hallmark style, but they're not really keen on on page sex and things like that. They, mm-hmm. they want stuff that their kids can read to. So as long as I can check those reviews and I can, you know, read the first little bit through story origin and I do newsletters once a month. So I accept my swaps early in the month so that I have a chance to look through them before we post on the next month. But that's a really good, cause it's free. Well, they have paid versions and free versions of story origin, but right now most everything on it is free because it's a newer platform. And I've had some really good experiences with newsletter swaps and, and with the pro- promotions, you know, we just with not only sharing with my readers, but also making connections with other authors, which I think is really important too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like your calm approach to this. I, I feel like <laughs> a lot of people approach self-publishing, especially when you sort of make that decision that you're either going to pursue traditional or self-publishing. For some reason, a lot of people choose self-publishing and expect or want everything to go super fast. Maybe they maybe they think it is the faster route, but when you step back and look at the traditional or even the small presses, books usually take a year to come out, like and they're mm-hmm. building up marketing for it and readership for it. And so I really, I really like your way of like approaching things calmly. Look things over take your time, make sure it's right for your readership. And that's probably why they've continued to follow you because you're someone that they can trust. You're not going to recommend a book that you don't think they'll like, you know, so you haven't broken it there. You're probably pretty consistent in your monthly newsletter over the years. And then you consistently come out with new books. So maybe it's that trust that people are drawn to. Maybe. I mean, I hope that it is. I would really love, I would really love for that to be the reason why, because when I do the promos and things like that, I I really do make an effort to make sure that they fall within a certain heat range or, you know, we don't want to be dropping F-bomb every third word (laughs) in a young adult novel. I mean, I know teenagers cuss, I get that, but I don't necessarily need to be the one, Hmm. you know, promoting bad behavior. So yeah, that would, that would be, I, I, I hope that's the reason why they keep following that we've built a, a trusting relationship. As far as putting books out, last year was insane. Uh, hopefully I didn't set a precedent. I put out 14 books last year. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 a lot of those were books that I had written over the years that needed rewriting and editing. Okay. To just see the light of day. Uh, they had been sitting collecting dust on my computer for more than a year, two years, three years, maybe since my Wattpad days. And I just decided, why are these just sitting here on my computer, just doing nothing when they can be out there making friends. So did some rewrites, did some editing, made some covers, put them out and they're doing okay. They're swimming. We'll see how they do over the next couple of years, but yeah, I, I, maybe it's consistency. Maybe it's trust either, either way. I'm, I'm happy. Okay, first question. Did you write a new book last year plus edit 14 other books? Oh, uh, well, some of the books that I wrote last year were newly written. Oh my Uh, gosh, girl. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to think that maybe I am an insane person. You are a very prolific writer (laughs) here. So Um, you must have secrets. (laughs) Well, I can usually sit down and write 
uh, an average length novel, 60 to 80,000 words in about a month. And then my editing process really is, you know, I have this amazing group of alpha readers that I just adore because they will be brutal (laughs) and honest and nitpick over everything. And I love that because without them, half the books I've written would be horrible. And are these readers that you have, that have sort of followed you from what pattern that you've you've found through like they are fans of yours or are they people that you know physically close to you the uh some of them are came from Wattpad we had some conversations you know behind the scenes and we just kind of got to know each other and I said hey do you do you want to join my beta team because they were really upset that I was leaving Wattpad and I you know so they joined that way my dear friend Crystal Crawford she, we met on Wattpad, we read each other's books on Wattpad and we started conversing there and one thing led to another and she's been one of my biggest advocates and we actually co-wrote a book together totally through Google Docs and Facebook Messenger. That's really cool. <laughs> we, we won, uh, it's called A Body. It's a little annual Wattpad award for the book we wrote and then we ended up publishing it together and we had never spoken outside of Facebook or Google Docs until we won that award. So she actually introduced me to some of the other people that are in my beta group. So it kind of just took on a life of its own after we got to talking. And now my whole beta team is pretty much people I've never actually met in person. But the fact that they can be really brutal with your books is, is key. Like I think sometimes the biggest problem with beta readers is finding people who are going to be honest with you because a lot of friends or family will just say, yeah, it's good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) And I go back now and I read, but they said, yay, it's good. I'm like, for you, why would you lie to me? This is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you loved me, but you know, and they're brutal in the best way. They will just tell me this doesn't make sense. You said this a minute ago and now you're saying this. you need to fix it. And and it's really thanks to them that I'm able to put out so much because I'm sitting here thinking I need to buy them all special presents because they read so much of my work last year. (laughs) I don't know how they had time to read anything else. But I think that's the biggest thing is that I have a very voracious group of readers who will turn back comments to me really fast so that I can get back to the next stage of editing and, you know, killing myself with line edits and audio edits and this editing software and that editing software before I send it out. Yeah, that just, I mean, my editing process is kind of haphazard, but I guess it works okay because in the end, it it doesn't seem like people have a problem with my editing. Right. I haven't had any any negative, I I don't hire a professional editor for every project. I I can't afford that. And that was 14 books a year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and like I said, my beta team, they're very, very good. Mm -hmm. And things like that. So they catch so much stuff that, you know, even software programs meant for, for that don't catch. So right. kind of lucky there. Yeah. You're making me think that if, if money is a tight option, what, what a writer needs to spend time doing is finding people who are willing to be honest with them. Yeah. Um, and that's where their, their time should be spent. And then um, if they're, you know, if their grammar's not the greatest or they're not, they don't really understand that, maybe only spending time on line editing, but a voracious reader can see structure quite 
well, if it's going down the tubes, you know, they'll be like, what's wrong with your character here? (laughs) That, That shouldn't happen. So that's a, it's a good suggestion, at least in the beginning to, Hey, go find some really, really good alpha readers who are willing to sit you down and say, this is, this doesn't make sense. And, and, and have a thick skin about it too. You don't seem, was it a process to accept criticism or are you pretty willing just as a character characteristic of yourself? (laughs) Well, I, I am a redhead. So accepting criticism is not the easiest thing, (laughs) but you know, I think when you realize that they're coming from a place of love and caring and actually wanting to see your book be as success, as successful as you want it to be, then you understand that they're not criticizing you. They're, they're building your characters. They're building your book. They're helping you to meet that end goal. You know, it's the same as that person who's talking smack to you at the gym you know that they're doing it because they want to see you succeed. Right. So in that sense, you know, at first, yeah, it it bothered me a little because nobody wants to hear the bad things about what they did. But that wore off really fast because they were really good at it. Right. (laughs) So after a while, I just, you know, they'll tell me, this is, your character's doing something stupid here. Let's try this again. And we'll, you know, rewrite it. Yeah, sometimes I'll rewrite a whole character based on their suggestions and it works. It's it's fabulous because they will see things in my writing that I don't see. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of a magical thing when you find your group of alpha and beta readers who really work well with you. Yeah. So that was, after I found them, everything got easier. The editing got easier. The you know, fleshing out characters got easier, just everything. And, and they see all my book covers and everything before anybody else. So yeah, that's the, that's the golden thing right there is finding, finding your people. I think it's kind of like you have your own private masters of fine arts professors there. I think so. They're great. I love them. I do. So you, when you say that you can crank out 60 to 80,000 words in a month, what does your day look like in order to do that? How do you focus? And is there anything that you've changed over the years to be better at getting those books done? Well, I, you know, when I started writing, my daughter was an infant. So it was um, really just writing when I found the time or when she was napping or, you know, at night. I do most of my writing at night because I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. And she's gotten older and we homeschool too. So our days kind of basically get up, get breakfast, get school, lunchtime, finishing up any kind of leftover school stuff we might have. And then she'll have some free time where I might write for a little while or, you know, clean the house, all those things that need to be done. But when she goes to bed is when I really kind of dig in my heels. So about 7.30, you'll find me in my recliner with my nose in the computer, either marketing or writing or doing something related to that until about 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock. And then lather, rinse, repeat for the week. And I said, my husband is a firefighter. So the days that he's home, you know, he might take my daughter to the park to give me an hour or so to write. It really just depends. Our schedule is not really set in stone. It's kind of haphazard. Uh, but I do make sure I have at least an hour a day where I can sit down and 
do something writing related. And how, because I think a lot of people have a haphazard day and that's why it can be kind of frustrating to look into all these habit gurus and think like, uh, there's no <laughs> way for me to do that. No. I, there's a, you know, and, and it's great. And I understand habits. I'm fascinated by them and the science behind it, but especially when you're a stay at home mom, like so many things happen that you can spend more time being frustrated <laughs> with your, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to build that habit. So how have you gotten into the mindset, but I'm just going to find one hour. Is that kind of how you do it? Like it has to at least be one hour wherever it can be. Yes and no. I mean, I, I, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because just last night I was talking with Crystal about how I, my whole life kind of has to be planned. Like I like checking mm. off boxes. I like having lists and I, every little detail I try to plan out, except for when it comes to writing. Like writing is the only thing where I just kind of let it go. Let it, you know, it is what it is. I don't, I'm a pantser too. I don't plan my books. I just write them. And then I might plan certain scenes and certain aspects, but for the most part, it's just whatever comes out is what goes on the page because that's what editing's for. Yeah. I can always rewrite. I definitely feel it. If I, if I don't write every day, I definitely start to get stressed. Like Mm. it's my relaxation. So whether it's, you know, I do it when my daughter's maybe working on a worksheet in school, I might get 15 or 20 minutes in. I might get 15 or 20 minutes in if she's eating lunch. I really just kind of cramming in all the empty spaces, I guess you'd say. For the most part, though, it is it is really at night when the house is a little bit quieter and everybody's kind of after dinner and everybody's sort of doing their own thing. But I, I almost have to because if I don't, then I start to I start to feel stressed. Like right. I need that outlet. I need to escape to that other world for just a little while. And is there anything that you you do? Are you able to go from putting your daughter in bed to sit down and fully concentrating on the story? Or is there anything like, is that a magical thing that you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually it's just a matter of once she's in bed and settled, I can just, yeah, I can open up the document and read the last few paragraphs of the previous chapter to kind of get back in the mood again. But one, one thing that I do, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So I would definitely not take this advice, but if I'm not necessarily feeling a certain book, like I can't get back into that world, then I'll just close it and work on a different one or work on editing something else or making some you know, images, graphics for social media promotions or something like that to, to kind of work myself back into the feeling of I, I'm working on writing. And then I might open the document and try again. Usually I don't have too much trouble sort of falling back into that world because I've been thinking about it all day. Like, what am I going to write tonight? What am I going to do? You know, how's this character going to get out of this predicament? And I usually have an idea by the time I sit down that I just have to get on paper before I lose it. So you're kind of thinking about your story in those throughout the day as well. Like you have, you're not maybe distracting yourself with other things. It's, you're kind of writing in your head during the day. And then when you finally sit down, you're already kind of there. Is that how it goes? Now that you play it that way, it does kind of, but that is kind of how it goes. Of course I get distracted with homeschool. I mean, I have to be paying attention to to my daughter. (laughs) Obviously she's the best thing in the world to me. So 
you know, when we have playtime and stuff like that, my focus is definitely on her. But honestly, a lot of the stuff that my daughter comes up with ends up in my books too. Yeah. She loves writing. I said she's six. She has this little notebook which she draws in and she writes stories in. And, you know, we talk about these fantasy worlds and these crazy things. And sometimes she'll have ideas and I'll say, I'm stealing that for my book. And she'll say, okay. So yeah, throughout the day when I daydream, that's usually what I'm daydreaming about is what I'm going to write. Yeah. And I think that's your kind of superpower right there is the idea that you allow yourself to daydream. Because my biggest concern these days when I work with other authors is it's so easy to pick up your phone and be distracted with Mm -hmm. all the social media. And somebody said we're over-informed and undereducated. <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that's kind <laughs> that's of how the social true. media does. <laughs> and it, I feel like it really inhibits daydreaming and an imagination because it's like making your brain work on the surface instead of at the deeper level. And I'm no science neurologist, so that's just my <laughs> own theory. But it seems like you have a discipline in which you sit down in your chair and you don't pick up your phone. You are picking up your writing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do spend, you know, some time on social media and I I know that I've had too much time on social media when I do sit down at my computer and I blank out. Yeah. I didn't think enough about what I was going to do today. I mean, the past year who hasn't been glued to their phone in in the news and trying to figure out, you know, how life's going to be moving forward. But I think I have been fortunately blessed to have a very active imagination you can just ask my mom. <laughs> she said, you know, one of the, you look at my report cards from elementary school and it's always good grades, but needs to focus, has an active imagination. <laughs> uh, you know, going back and reading through those, I should have known I was going to become a writer, but <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it frustrates my husband. He'll, can you just listen to me instead of daydreaming about this or that? But I can't help it. It's how I was born. Right. Yeah, but that's it's a really good insight into yourself and as a writer. And in order to be so prolific, you have to realize, oh, okay, maybe I've been watching the news too much or social media too much today. And I definitely saw that and it would go up and down with me all throughout 2020. It's like, okay, I need yeah. to, you know, <laughs> I ended up taking off social media apps off of my phone. So I was like, apparently I don't have the discipline as a grown woman to not go on here. So let's make another, you know, like trench to have to crawl through if I, if I want to get on yeah. there. And I think sometimes you just have to see that insight and then take a step and be like, what's more important to me writing and editing my books or commenting on Facebook. Yeah. And it sounds simple. It's not simple because we're human. But there is no magic, I guess. And everyone's so different that making that habit, I think, I think you have, have the key is just the discipline. If you only have three hours from 7.30 to 10.30, you better be pretty focused. You know, you better not get on on Facebook because you'll spend (laughs) a whole hour there and just. Uh, Yeah. And and you can, I mean, you, you fall into a rabbit hole sometimes. You, you. When you look up from your phone, you're like, oh my gosh, I just spent 30 minutes of my life reading other people's, like, why did I do that? Yeah. That's 30 minutes you're never going to get back. 
And honestly, it's it's probably 30 minutes that didn't necessarily make you a better person. So <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> yes. So you're gonna spend 30 minutes doing something that's probably not the best place to do it. I mean, we're human, we're gonna look. We want to know what's going on. And I think 2020 for me, the pandemic itself didn't really, you know, my husband's a firefighter, so he was considered essential worker. He never stopped working. We already homeschooled. The biggest thing for us was kind of that loss of being able to go out and socialize with other kids for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And then for me to, you know, talk to another adult more than once every two days. Right. And I think that's probably why I was able to be so prolific last year was because, and here's where I sound like a real crazy person. You you form relationships with your characters because you're putting them through so much. And I think that all those books was just a really good escape for me from sort of the craziness that was happening during 2020. So I hope when I'm old and in the wheelchair, I can look back and think of that as the year where I wrote so many books instead of the year that the world was kind of going crazy. Right. Right. I I really love your story and how you, how you approach things. And I think a lot of us can learn of, there is a definite exchange on whether, how you look at things and what is kind of more important? Is it more important to get these character stories out and allow your readers something to read or allowing in a very emotional, very crazy year to sort of take over? And who knows about 2021? We can always regroup and make <laughs> 2021 that year if, if 2020 wasn't quite so much. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely shaping up to be a fitting sequel to 2020. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, trust me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not always a positive person. I mean, I have times where, you know, the negativity really eats at me. Hmm. I mean, that's, you know, like I said at the beginning, starting writing was when my daughter was an infant, I was dealing with some postpartum depression and anxiety. I mean, I'm dealing with anxiety all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think just pouring all of that into the books is what helps me manage it. You know, I've met other authors who, you know, who suffer from depression and things like that. And they're kind of the same way. Like they put all of that in the book and then they can just close it and leave it. And you you mentioned my little tagline being the mindful dramatist. And that's kind of the way I try to approach a book is that, you know, I might put my characters through so much but I always try to make sure that there's this message of hope and and strength and, you know, friendship that you see that by the end of it, you understand that this person's going to be okay. Mm. Kind of like, you know, like kind of like the year of 2020, you know, it doesn't matter what you went through. It's it's probably going to be okay. And hopefully in a few years, we'll look back and, and realize that we probably made it worse on ourselves than we needed to. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. And and I, I like how that is an important thing to have people refocus on is a lot of times we do it to ourselves, but yeah. even if we don't do it to ourselves, it will sort of turn out okay in the end. Like life is kind of hard sometimes, but to be reminded in your fiction books of like, okay, I'm going to get up tomorrow and it's going to be okay. I think that's really important, especially these days. 
<laughs> to have that and not have these post-apocalyptic like and never mind we all die <laughs> so. yeah I, I haven't read a single dystopian novel in like two years for a reason so. <laughs> but, and even if you do please have some sort of hope at the end <laughs> yes they're all coming true I'm gonna avoid those for a while maybe if I don't read them they won't come they true. won't come true we won't jinx <laughs> it here so do you think that social media helps authors build their platform or or would you really have people kind of like you've done go behind the scenes? Because I wonder if new authors are spending too much time trying to drum up likes or followers on Instagram or whatever. And it might not, I mean, all the reports I've seen in the last few months is like, you don't get a whole lot of sales through Instagram which is really disappointing for most (laughs) authors who have spent a lot of time there. So what are your thoughts between balancing social media and how they can find readerships who will buy their books, I guess, and follow them like your fans do? That's something I'm still trying to decide, you know, between balancing. I have read so many authors who say that, you know, if you're not on social media, then you're not reaching your you know, as far as you can. But then when I go on social media, I find that most of the people who start following me are other writers. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're readers too, but you're trying to reach, if you're trying to reach readers, that's, to me, it hasn't been the best place to do that. And it could be that I'm doing something wrong. I I don't think I have talked with another author yet who grew their readership solely from social media like mm-hmm. without doing the legwork of building a subscriber list to send newsletters to or blogs and things like that. As a matter of fact, I've, I've honestly been toying with the idea of just scrapping social media because it does take a lot of time to develop yeah, posts, to make the graphics. Uh, it's not necessarily work that I don't want to do. I mean, whatever work I need to do, I'll do but I need to know that that work is actually paying off. And I don't, I see the biggest boost in sales for my books within the first week of my newsletter coming out each month. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that I think my buyers are more likely the people who are following me because nobody's going to waste their time opening an email that they don't want to read. Right. So if they've opened my newsletter, then they're interested in what I'm saying and they're more likely to, to click on those links for the new release or for the book I've recommended from another author. So I'm, I'm still doing my research on social media. I'm still posting stuff on there. I try to sit down once a week and schedule it out and then just forget about it. Of course, with the exception of interacting with people who might like or comment. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I honestly haven't seen, I might get to talk to the readers that I think if you're looking for interaction with readers and other authors is probably great, but I wouldn't bank on it for making sales. I don't think. Yeah. I'm starting to rethink it a little bit too for 2021 and going forward. And, and I just, because you only have so much time in the day and a lot of authors are very frustrated with between building their social media, which they're being told to do and writing. And like, well, if, if social media is taking them away from writing, then the writing is what drives them, what makes them feel good about themselves. Like you said, like it, it could even be your, you know, 
therapy <laughs> to get it. <laughs> and if social media isn't driving any readership, I'm not sure that it's worth as much time as we put into it. But it looks like neither of us have a full <laughs> answer no. today. So we'll, <laughs> still, we'll still studying that. You know, and that I think, you know, you, you're an author because you love to write mm-hmm. and you love to read. So if you're spending all of your time, I think, trying to hit that gold standard of you know, a gazillion followers on social media, something else is going to suffer for it. For mm-hmm. everything you put more focus on, something else is going to suffer for it. And I don't think as an author, your writing should be what's suffering to be able to post more on social media. So yeah, for me, I think I'm kind of leaning more towards not spending as much time there as I do with honing, honing those skills. I mean, the more you write, the better you get at it. And if you're not writing, then I, I don't think it's like riding a bicycle. I think you lose it if you don't use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're starting out, you really, you need to write. Like, yeah. and there's no other magic pill other than that, put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard and you need to write and, and build your beta readership. This is what mm-hmm. I, I think is the biggest takeaway is like, that is super important for anybody starting out or anyone, because then you can carry them through as well. But it will also help if you do go and pay an editor, it won't go through multiple edits because it's already been through multiple edits right. <laughs> with your beta readers. So people can also follow you on Patreon. Can you explain what that is and maybe why they might be interested? Yeah, that's actually something that my friend Crystal started and I kind of followed suit. Basically, Patreon is a subscriber type service. So if you're someone who likes Book of the Month Club and stuff like that, it's a paid service. And for for my sites, you'll get advanced chapters of a book that I'm working on. So you'll get them before it's published. Nobody else will see those until the book is published. And then you might get exclusive merchandise or you know things that I might design specifically for that reader group. They might get access to to sales or free books or something that I might not be offering anywhere else. So if you're somebody who has, you know, this desire to have insider access, advanced access, that's a really good place to do it. And it's, it's a good place to support authors that you, that you like too, because we don't make a lot of money Yes, (laughs) and any kind of revenue stream that we can, that we can do is, is always good. But I like the idea of having so much one-on-one what's the word I am an author I swear we lose our words a lot don't we <laughs> we do like you mean one-on-one interaction with readers? yeah interaction with uh with readers you know being right. able to closer conversations with with people who read my books that's that's always kind of been important to me I love when someone responds to my email newsletters and we can have a conversation and get to know each other you know a lot of people don't I don't think realize that authors do like to make those connections with their readers. And Patreon's a great place to do that because I can give those followers something special, something different from what everyone else gets to have. Yeah, absolutely. How do they find you on Patreon? Well, I, I just launched it, so I don't have any subscribers yet, but there is a link and it's on my website, the mjpagebooks.com. There's a 
whole page for Patreon and there's a link there and it and then on the actual Patreon page it describes everything that you would get for the different tiers and things like that. Well that's really cool. So I will have the links below definitely. Your website is absolutely beautiful and people can find out a lot about you. They can see all your books. They can subscribe to your newsletter. I love how straightforward it is. You're making me rethink my entire website. That's actually like, yeah, I can, I can thank my friend for that. You know, it was a sort of a challenge. We crammed and made some new websites before the, we just kind of wanted 2021 to be a new jumping off place for our careers and our businesses. So a lot of fun. It was crazy, a lot of work to, to get done within a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Yes, absolutely. So anyone who is a creative, I would, I would say just go to mjpagetbooks.com just to see her website. Um, <laughs> I do love how you don't have a pop-up, but you have a place like clear subscribe to the newsletter. Yeah. It, it's funny. You kind of go against <laughs> all of these like gurus these days, but it's really working <laughs> I, for you. So I, you got something I, going. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm just, I, I don't like pop-ups. I, I, I do what draws me. hmm to, to things. So if I go on a website and it's they just pop up this, it just seems so obnoxious to me. So I try to be less obnoxious, I guess. I don't know. I try to do what I would like to see. Right. I mean, yeah. it's like it's a little rule. narcissistic, but <laughs> oh, I think it's more than the golden rule, you know, like treat people how you want to be treated and it will look like, you know, it'll probably work out for you. So my goodness, I, I am so glad to have had you come on and talk with us and give us some of your tips in the ways that you have gotten so many books out there. I think this is going to help a lot of people just sort of like take a deep breath and be like, yeah, let's, let's look at what's important. Writing is important. Finding those beta readers. It, it was so fun to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. For, for I'm sorry it took so long to get it scheduled, but I'm, I'm so glad to have been invited. Yes, absolutely. And hey, 2020 was 2020. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, we will talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.